Hi, I'm Som, CEO and co-founder of Mystery Vibe. Femtech to me is improving quality of life, no matter what you've gone through in a life event and whatever your age is. Welcome to Femtech Focus with Dr. Brittany Barreto, exploring the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. Welcome to the Femtech Focus Podcast, where we have meaningful and provocative conversations with femtech experts. These academics, doctors, and innovators tell us about the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. I'm your host, Dr. Brittany Barreto. Before I intro our guest, I want to tell you about some really exciting updates at Femtech Focus. First, we have migrated our virtual community to a new, more interactive platform. We moved our previously publicly available databases of Femtech startups and exits from our website to this new community. You can find the Femtech Institute, which is a self-guided women's health accelerator, to learn how to fundraise, build, and scale your company. I host weekly office hours where I would love to meet with all of you one-on-one. We have an events calendar of all the upcoming women health events around the world, and you have the ability to add yours, too. Sounds awesome, right? Well, it's free to join and only $14.99 a month if you want to unlock the FemPro perks. Join the community by going to femtechfocus.org. The second big announcement is our upcoming virtual jobs fair with our partner at the Bowdoin Group on March 23rd from 12 to 3 p.m. Eastern. Whether you're a student looking for an internship or post-graduation work, or if you're a professional switching industries, this is a great opportunity for you. We'll have an incredible keynote interview with the Bowdoin Group about the current state of the jobs market and what skills people need to work and be successful in femtech. Then you'll have the opportunity to meet virtually in different rooms with different companies and learn about their mission and open positions. If you are a women's health company hiring, this event is for you too. Whether you are looking for interns, a co-founder, making your first official hire, scaling your team, or filling out a whole department, companies from big to small can register to have a virtual booth and meet with hundreds of the top femtech candidates around the world. Register at femtechfocus.org. Today's episode is brought to you by Witham. Witham is a forward-thinking, technology-driven advisory and accounting firm committed to helping companies be more profitable, efficient, and productive in today's complex business environment. Witham's dedicated Femtech team is proud to partner with members of the Femtech community. Get to know their team at witham.com backslash Femtech. Alrighty, Fem fans, in today's episode, I interview Som, the CEO and co-founder of Mystery Vibe. Mystery Vibe invents category-defining products that combine the best of humanity and technology to create the most personalized pleasure experience. They want to make sexual health as commonplace as, well, health. So anyone from postnatal to postmenopause, adventurer to ED solver, single to long-term couples, everyone can use Mystery Vibe's tools, talks, and techniques to bring mystery back into the bedroom. My favorite part about this interview is the revelation that this sex tech company is truly dedicated to improving the health and pleasure for women. Whether it's 
you're battling pain during sex or dryness or even paralysis, Mystery Vibes taking their engineering and research to the max to make sure everyone is experiencing mystery and pleasure in the bedroom. Get yours at mysteryvibe.com. Enjoy the episode. Hi, Song. Welcome to the show. Hi, Brittany. Thank you for having me. Mm-hmm. You look like you're in like a think tank den. Like there's <laughs> so much behind you in terms of materials. Is all of that mystery vibe or is that your personal life too? It, it is all it is all mystery vibe. Uh, lots of uh, design papers, research papers, medical papers, books, um, bits and bobs of building hardware. It's lots of things. You know, yeah. it reminds in me. Fact, of- in fact, but this is just my study. In, in when we go to a lab, uh, it's l- ten times more, twenty times more <laughs> what I have. <laughs> yeah. It reminds me of like a professor's <laughs> office, like because there's those professors that have stacks of papers all over. Like mm-hmm. that's like kind of, yours looks a little bit more organized, but that's kind of what it looks like. Like you think a lot. It, it so. looks like it looks like. <laughs> Well, so we love to kick off our interviews with a personal story. So we want to learn about you first. So do you, do you mind giving us a little bit of uh, your bio in terms of where you're from? You know, where'd you grow up? What did you study if you went to school? And like, how did you end up here co-founding Mystery Vibes? So tell us your story. Yeah, yeah. I went to school forever. Um, I grew up in Calcutta, which is a little city, well, little, not literally, a little city near uh, the east of India. <coughs> and then um, I studied, uh, well, I studied in school and then I did electrical engineering. Um, so I did my undergrad, master's, PhD, postdoc. So I was like, how long can I stay in school <laughs> and, you know, not have a real job? So I was 26 before I got out of um, university. Um, and my PhD was in biomedical. So uh, it was looking at eyes and understanding the anatomy of an eye and recognizing people through eyes. So it's a mixture of electronics in building camera systems and then software, uh, understanding them, and then the biology of it. So working with doctors. Wow. So, I'm so and, excited and, for the pivot in your story. <laughs> you were doing yeah, your but, but you know what? Eyes. What I do today is exactly what I did in my PhD, just a different Whoa. part of the body, you know, just I working with doctors, working more. with working with uh, genitals, working at the, at the same time on electronics and software and um, uh, building um, hardware for it. So, so that's what we do. Um, and, and after I finished my PhD, I continued working in that space of uh, security, electronics, defense, na- national security. And I did that for uh, seven years, uh, working on a company called Deloitte. And, um, <clears throat> and during that time, uh, I always wanted to get back to building stuff, you know, like I used to in my PhD is uh, get back to building stuff in my area, biomedical. And, um, and, and the thing that came up a lot is uh, how do you improve sexual health after a major life event, like having a child, uh, having menopause, um, recovering from cancer, uh, having a surgery. So major life events. So that was the trigger point. And then sexual health suffers, but what do you do about it? Um, and, and, and bringing that mystery back in the bedroom, um, which you know often gets lost. So, so that was the background behind why I decided to get back to building stuff uh, from you know having a corporate job. And uh, we started that eight years ago. So it's been a while. it's been a while. 
Wow, that's incredible. Is this your first startup? Or I guess, I don't know if it's a startup anymore, but was it your first one? No, my first startup was uh, part of my PhD, uh, building iris recognition systems, which is used in access control and uh, airport um, security. Even today, you know, you'll find them in airports. They look at eyes and recognize people. So that was my first company, which we sold in 2009 uh, to Fortunation, uh, a California-based defense company. Incredible. So you're you're like, yeah, I, I've been down this route. So that's super cool. Um, what I have to... I really am curious to dig in a little bit more into the like, I, you know, you said you wanted to get back into building stuff and then you realized that there was this huge need in, you know, sex tech, um, especially sexual wellness after a life event. I, I, I feel like that is um, random, you know, like what was it? Like what, how did you, where, what crevice did you fall into and find that that was an existing problem, right? Because these are things we're not talking about. So how did you know that that was something that needed solutions? I think it was personal as well uh, to start with. Um, you know, uh, I've been with my wife for 18 years now. Um, and, and we founded the company together with another co-founder. And uh, the, you know, we always thought, how do you keep that mystery in the bedroom generally as a couple, uh, you know, irrespective of anything major happening like uh, childbirth. Um, and, and we have a kid now, uh, and we obviously experienced that you know, childbirth, pain, recovery, uh, and, and sex comes much later after all of that. So, so yeah, so I, I think, you know, the first part is definitely uh, personal experience, but equally, um, when uh, when I was at Deloitte, uh, the seven years I was um, working on various projects, a lot of the time we used to stay in hotels <coughs> because of uh, being on client side. And uh, what happens when you stay away from home is you become very close to people and you stay together and you talk about personal stuff uh, in the evenings after work. And most of the conversations were about relationships, about uh, sex problems, uh, about intimacy problems, um, which I think you know often people wouldn't talk about unless they feel they're close enough to someone. Ah. So that's um, and that's something you know I kept coming across over the seven years, and I felt that if um, and and I I knew that I wanted to get back to building stuff. I just didn't know what I wanted to do again after working in eyes and uh, biomedical. There, um, I knew it had to be something to do with uh, human biology. Um, and, and then it, it kept reinforcing that if we could build devices for which help with sexual health, like with pain, with erection, with dryness, then it would have a significant impact. And, and that's, yeah, that's how we started. One last question about you starting Mystery Vibe. Um, what were, did you, what were the reactions of folks, you know, like here you are, PhD, had a postdoc, biomedical engineering, and you had an eye company that you sold to the defense department, you're in Deloitte, and now you're like, I'm going to go make vibrators to make, you know, sex better. How was, how was the opinion, like, of people around you, your family, was, your coworkers? It was a mix. It was mixed. So uh, my colleagues, co-workers, bosses, they loved it because they related to it, right? And, and <laughs> they were they like, were all my... fixing it. What we told <laughs> yes, them. Exactly. Yeah. So they said, please do it. And and they were my early investors, so which is, you know, the best proof that they really approved. Um, yeah. But this is a while back, you know, almost a decade ago. It was challenging. It was challenging to get bank accounts. It was because I was very clear that we will say exactly what we do. You know, we're not going to pretend we do something else, you know, fill up the form with a lie and then we get ca caught and then we just get kicked out. Right. So like we will tell people, look, this is what we're going to do. Um, and we couldn't get 
single bank account. It took us ages to get a bank account. It took us ages to hire people because, you know, it wasn't cool back then to work in sex tech. I mean, sex tech didn't exist as a term, um, I don't think. And um, people were like, what? I don't want to work for a vibrator company. Um, <laughs> or, or, or they'd say, I can help you, but don't tell anyone. Yeah, um, yeah. So, you know, it, it was very challenging um, back then. Uh, but over the years, it's become... Uh, not only it's become better, I think it's reverse and people embrace it and talk about it and, you know, help us, um, which, you know, they wouldn't care about, say, for a finance company. They'd be like, yeah, whatever. Well, tell you us, know, what is care. Mystery Vibe? What do you guys do? We make, we do two things. We make devices, medical devices, uh, FDA class two, uh, designed by doctors to help with very specific sexual health uh, issues like erectile dysfunction, uh, arousal disorder, particularly peri and postmenopause, um, period pain, postnatal pain uh, after childbirth, um, vulvodynia. So we work on all of these topics. We create <laughs> and our, our um, unique um, technologies, bending and adapting uh, vibration to deliver precisely to the points that uh, you know need vibration. So that's that. So, uh, so that's one part of what we do. And the second part of what we do is we write a lot of content, a lot, lot of content. Um, and the content is to answer questions and help people start conversations because if they are able to start the conversation, then they can bring the solution into the bedroom. But without that, even if it's the best solution in the world that we can make, uh, it's very difficult to introduce it. So, so that's, that's us. I would say, you know, it's equally important. We spend equally um, equal amounts of time uh, building products and writing content and then getting it out there. So that's what we do to bring mystery back into bedrooms or um, keep that mystery alive if it's, if it's there. So it's, it's incredible. So I'm on your website and, you know, cause you're me mentioning medical devices, class two, your website looks like it's just a pleasure scent zone, right? Correct. And that you're selling these pleasure Correct. products. Are these pleasure products the ones that you're getting FDA approval on? Correct. So uh, and this is a really interesting. Yeah, do all a really interesting point. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. They, they don't. They don't. Oh, uh, so, okay. uh, so uh, we have two websites. So the one you're looking at, Mystery Vibe, is our customer centric, um, you know, very much uh, pleasure centric. And we have MySexMD, which is another website which is doctor centric, <laughs> and that is uh, you'll see. Um, it's quite boring looking, <laughs> uh, but uh, that has all the information for doctors, urologists, OBGYNs. They sell our products. But the reason why Mystery Vibe is what we talk about is because it's the same thing as a condom. So if you go to a condom website like Trojan, right, you will, they will never say anything medical yeah. on their homepage because that is a turnoff when it comes to sexual health. So condom is a medical product. It's FDA, you know, uh, device, right? And it is very much to, you know, do with um, preventing pregnancy, preventing STIs, etc. But um, no marketing of condom talks about clinical things it's not cool so they'll all the marketing is like hey have fun you know have more sex you know enjoy yourself etc we are exactly the same so the thinking is exactly the same and the reason is 80 percent of people who suffer from sexual health issues don't go to a doctor because either they suffer in silence or they search google and they often don't find answer uh, but there is so much shame around it is they simply don't want to admit it um, even to themselves so if i created a in an erectile dysfunction device and I put it on the website and I said, hey, look, this is a medical device. 
if you have a erection problem by it, then 80% will think, mm, uh, I don't want it because I don't have a problem. So, but if I ah. the exact same device and I say, hey, look, have fun, you know, have more fun. They'll yeah. say, oh, I want to have more fun. So it's, it's really, how can we reach people and tell them, look, this is okay, you know, enjoy it. We don't have, to, you don't have to feel like you have a shortcoming. We don't want you to feel like you have a problem. Just enjoy it. And so that's our way of getting it out there without, you know, the barriers that come with, um, you know, what is technically called sexual health dysfunction. And because it is what it is called, it's considered negative, you know, like yeah. you're broken. Yeah. So, so, so that's why what you see on Mystery Vibe is very much pleasure centric. I love that. And uh, listeners, I hope you're taking note. If you are planning your own branding and messaging around your product, oftentimes women don't want to be like, oh, you're, you're over the hill now. You're menopausal. Here's your supplements. It's like, how do you make a brand that says you are the wisest woman in the room and you deserve everything, uh, you know, that your body needs to share your wisdom or whatever, right? Like hear the difference within those. And so what you're saying is like, you guys really take the medical stance, but you're you're branding accordingly to the what the consumer, you know, is receptive to. Yeah. Um, what are some forms of female sexual dysfunction that can be, you know, solved or helped with your devices? Um, so the paper we have published uh, in the Journal of Sexual Medicine uh, is on a topic called GPPPD, so genital pelvic pain and penetration disorder, um, and there we saw a five times improvement in pain score over a three month period using uh, the crescendo device three times a week. And uh, what that means is, is uh, genital pain, pelvic pain and penetration pain. So this group of pain, which is the you know, group together is one of the biggest pains in sexual health for women. Um, then on the other side, uh, a study we recently completed, which will get published in a few months, is on period pain. It's applying the vibrator externally, whereas with GPPDD, it is in, inserting in the vagina and delivering vibrations. Uh, but with uh, period pain, it, is, uh, you know, it could be just placing it on the abdomen and having gentle vibrations um, help with blood flow and alleviating pain. Uh, so that's the second one. The third study um, that we are running at the <coughs> moment is with <coughs> perimenopausal and menopausal women on how to get aroused prior to intercourse. So very specific point in time is um, prior to penetrative uh, intercourse, how uh, do you get aroused? And if, if that is an issue that you're um, struggling with. Um, so, uh, and then another study we're running is on vulvodonia, which is um, pain in the vulva and how can vibration and what type of frequencies can help with um, alleviating that pain. So th this is, uh, these are the four main uh, areas that we have um, worked in. On the male side, um, we have worked in uh, erectile dysfunction and delayed ejaculation. So it's the opposite of premature ejaculation. Uh, and the one coming up that we are going to do a study in is um, prostate stimulation and to understand if there is a correlation between a regular stimulation of prostate and reduction in the chances of prostate cancer, which is the number one cancer in men. So, um, so, so yeah, it's quite a lot of variety of uh, topics, but the key is um, how do you uh, how do you create blood flow in an area so that's the at the very very basic level that's what we're doing is we're using uh, bendable uh, stretchable adaptable material with vibration motors to 
deliver frequencies exactly where you need, um, you know, whether it's on the penis, perineum, uh, prostate, uh, labia, vulva, um, vagina, clit, wherever it is, or it could be um, nipples, for example. One of the studies that we did was how to multi-stimulate for uh, spinal injury patients. Uh, so for example, uh, stimulating the nipples and stimulating the vagina at the same time, if the vagina had lost connection from the brain due to a final injury, how can we stimulate them at the same frequency at the same time to create a local loop to then create arousal, which would otherwise not be possible. So it's um, there's a variety of- uh, That is seriously so cool to think about that. Like how could you potentially uh, stimulate something else on the body if another part of the body is kind of uh, desensitized and, you know, oh, wow, that is really interesting. So what I'm hearing you say is that vibration uh, increases blood flow and blood flow can therefore help with pain um, in some of these circumstances. Why is that? Why is increased blood flow helpful for pain? Um, to increase blood flow helps with both arousal and uh, <clears throat> pain relief. So if you think of, um, let's say you have back pain, okay, and you go to a masseur, a massage therapist, right? Um, what they will do is put pressure and rub the areas where you have pain. So what they're doing is helping blood move around, get fresh blood delivered, and then hopefully you know, it works and you um, reduce pain. So <clears throat> imagine exactly the same thing done uh, on genitals and uh, or on you know uh, abdomen or wherever it is. The idea is massaging that area um, yeah. and, and getting fresh oxygenated blood coming to that area and helping that area um, heal feel better yeah to the same very simple and same logic is that because the fresh blood brings additional oxygen or white blood cells or yes. other things yes. things that the body yeah. needs to kind of clean it out clean out the pain yeah. clean out whatever's in there causing it yes correct interesting um um oh my goodness what was i about to just say um i have so many questions that's why um, so it sounds a lot like pelvic floor therapy, and I think that this is really interesting because we see a lot of pelvic floor therapy startups coming out. I think it's going to be uh, this year and next year, we're just going to see them popping up everywhere. Some of them are devices. Some of them are like videos, like at-home exercises. I haven't really seen a more of a sex tech, like, hey, here's pleasure, but also medicine um, and physical therapy. And so do you, can you just speak to your angle and like, has that, has that been like a super key to your success is that you're selling sex, but you're actually a medical company uh, versus these other companies that are like, will, you know, help your vagina pain. Like here's this medical device, uh, you know, uh, um, what do they call them? Um, dilators, you know, like here's a dilator. Cause that's essentially almost, it's like the very, very rudimentary version of what you're making, right? Yours is like 2022 high tech. That's like 1930s, but nevertheless, like just talk to me about that. Cause interviewing you, it sounds like you're a meta device company, but you know, like you're selling sex and pleasure. So tell us about that. Uh, yes. And no, it's a really good point. It's a very important distinction when it comes to access to funds, particularly. I mean, there's obviously different uh, things. <clears throat> if you stay within the medical realm in everything you do, your website, like for example, when you see our website, you know it's pleasure, 
and that's our goal you know we we don't want you to think it's you know it's clinical so yeah even in the name mystery vibe right yes exactly yeah right, exactly so um the uh, so if you think of that decision uh, founders have to make when they uh, start their companies do i stay strictly within the boundaries of medical or do i you know do you know let's use an umbrella sexual wellness which is a massive umbrella of millions of things do i do that so the the real challenge of doing what we do and, and sexual wellness is uh, fundraising is really difficult because there is still a lot of taboo around pleasure. And that's the key word is pleasure. So, and equally digital marketing is difficult. So there's lots of difficulties, but you know, going back to the condom analogy, uh, commercially, it makes total sense that you focus on wellness because that appeals to 100% of the people. Uh, if, if you make it medical, First of all, it will sit behind a doctor or a you know healthcare practitioner. You will not know it exists, uh, right? Because typically medical devices are not direct to consumer. So, yeah. um, so, so that's one massive barrier that you're creating for yourself is you are waiting for a patient to come to a doctor, which is a massive wait. Um, uh, and and secondly, which we also know they don't go to the doctor. They don't go, exactly. And secondly, oh. is uh, even <laughs> if they did go, it's only 20%, you know, we're talking about. So, uh, so that's the biggest differentiator between being a medical device company uh, and, and, and that's it, you know, saying that, doing mm. that, um, which is fine. But I, I feel that will only serve 20% of the use of the potential users Whereas being a wellness company, um, you know, would serve everyone. So that's why it was a difficult decision because we knew and we were told, uh, you know, by uh, all our investors that if you stay true, like pure medical, very pure clinical, it will make your life so much easier. But um, what our doctors told us is if you do that, you know, hardly anyone will know you exist. Like I can give you an example of a purely medical device and it's a great device and it was created more than a decade ago. It's called Vibirect. It's an FDA device and it helps with erection, but no one knows it exists unless they go to a urologist. Wow. Very interesting case study here for us as families. Whereas, you know, if you, um, a lot of people will know Lelo as a sex toy company, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's the difference. Yeah. Is if, because the whole point was, if we create these devices, we want to get them into the hands of as many people as possible so they can, you know, they're actually useful, not, you know, sit in a lab. And the problem with going down the medical route is it will literally sit in a clinic and wait yeah. for someone yeah. to come and take it. Uh, it <laughs> wouldn't be as colorful as the ones you have on your website, you know, probably it, they'd yeah, be like white, you know, <laughs> great. Yep. Um, white I box, black text. what I wanted to say about blood flow. Um, so you know, through my journey in femtech, I learned that blood flow is actually really important for women's pleasure too. I always considered blood flow a men's thing, you know, like, oh, men need the erection, they need blood flow, but women, our labias actually swell and our clitoris gets erect. And so is that part of this too? Is that that blood flow Correct. from this vibration is helping that? Can you speak a little bit to that? Correct. Yes. Um, you're absolutely right. There is, I would like to say there's no difference between uh, the fundamentals of male and female anatomy. Uh, the you could compare the uh, clitoris to the penis head, 
um, the, I mean, it's a massive organ anyway. Uh, it, it's very small, that's visible on the outside. Uh, but um, all of it is to do with blood flow and the arousal is to do with blood flow, which is exactly the same for the penis. So, which is why um, we can create devices which are unisex, which work for both men and women at the same time or any gender for that matter, um, because uh, fundamentally the body works exactly the same way. So cool. Does climax or orgasm help with pain? Uh, it, um, so it's a tricky one. Often <laughs> you can't get to pleasure without overcoming pain first. Yeah. So, um, so, it, uh, so just to give you an example, let's say penetration pain, right? Um, if you don't address that um, and you go for penetration anyway, um, it's going to be very tough, right? You want to address the pain first. So, so uh, I think of pain as a barrier to pleasure. So, you know, it could be a step-by-step -step process where let's tackle the pain first, sort that out then pleasure. once that's sorted then you know let's look at pleasure and then how can you take that pleasure to the next level but you know we wouldn't say let's talk about pleasure and increasing that pleasure without um, addressing the pain first <coughs> very very interesting um i was looking through your website although very you know pleasure focused there is some really interesting juicy stuff about your product design and production process can you walk us through that a little bit yes um my favorite part that's the whole <laughs> point of what you know what we started uh, uh to do is really really um understand uh what needs to be built before we build it so our process is very simple we ask all the, we work with around um, 16 different uh, doctors uh, in US and UK. Um, so we uh, asked them, you know, what are the big topics that you currently struggled to find a good solution for your patients, right? Uh, so let's take an example of uh, the study we're doing, which is uh, arousal prior to intercourse for menopausal women, okay? Um, they're like, we're really struggling to help them. Um, you know, is can we talk about this? So, so that's very much the start. The second step is we, uh, you know, research and consult. Um, what will vibration even help? You know, there might be things that vibration doesn't help with. So that's uh, not that's not our area. Anything that's all, that's our main expertise. So let's say you know, if someone says you need to make something which delivers microelectric currents like tense machines. Um, and that might be the solution, but we are not the experts in that, so we wouldn't build it. So, um, <laughs> so the next step is, will vibration help? If the answer is yes, um, then the real research starts, you know, how much frequency, how much amplitude, uh, what's the location, what's the variation of that body anatomy, which in, we need to adapt to for, you know, 80% of the population. Um, and then we start building prototypes, and then we start... Uh, uh, taking them to a point where it can be used by a person safely uh, and then we start doing small trials you know 20 people 30 people uh, and then we keep going back to the drawing board to keep iterating to a point where um, people are happy that this works for what it's supposed to do then we start to make proper production units so you do clinical trials for this so they're called cohort studies so this one of them there's a small difference cohort study is uh, you can do it on one site uh, what that means is, you know, there's one clinic, uh, let's say, you know, 20 people, 50 people, et cetera. Um, it needs a lot less money, a lot less funding uh, because they don't have to be randomized. Um, 
the way our clinic does it is they just advertise to their patients who wants to participate and then there's a criteria if they fit the criteria and that's it so it's just um, the main difference is um, where do you need to use the study for so if the study needs to be randomized trial for something uh, like a compliance then you do it if all you want is to understand the efficacy of a product then cohort study is sufficient so for us it's not for compliance it's not to you know get anything it's really to understand the uh, how effective it is and if it isn't what is missing yeah. and that we need to improve yeah here the papers you've published are those based on the cohort studies or those clinical Correct. trials oh cohort yeah. no Great. all our papers cool. yeah everything we've done is cohort studies yeah we, we don't do clinical because the difference is it could be hundreds of thousands, millions. Clinical trials are very expensive. Yeah. So you yeah. <laughs> so unless you absolutely so the, the rule of thumb is unless you absolutely have to do a clinical trial, you don't need to do a clinical trial. Yeah. Uh, I have a question for you about um, like the abled body community versus the disabled body community. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been thinking more and more about this of the paradigm of people thinking that if you're disabled, you're asexual, which is absolutely not the case, right? And so somebody you were mentioning like spinal cord injury and like how can we increase their pleasure by sensating sensations on their nipples versus their, you know, clitoris or in addition to. So can you talk a little bit about just from your experience, it doesn't even need to be really mystery vibes, but like your experience, eight years working in this field, how do you see us evolving to making devices and accessories that people with one arm can use or people who can't bend over it, like it's, put it's it on themselves, you know? It's yeah. a very, very good point. Um, and uh, it's something that we try to capture as part of user feedback for every product. So, so let me give you an example of Crescendo, which was uh, our first product. And then Crescendo 2 is coming out, um, which is this just the upgraded version of it. And a big part of Crescendo 2 is accessibility. So, <clears throat> so for example, Crescendo had very flush buttons to make it really pretty. So the buttons were, you know, you couldn't see them. It was just, um, you know, like completely on the surface and very beautiful. And we as designers were like, oh, this is very cool. <laughs> However, not very easy to use for someone who has dexterity problem, dexterity problem, for example. So, you know, they're like, oh, well, it's the button, the button is very difficult. Um, so what we did for them, because they, you know, the product already existed and they had bought it. So we created a physical plastic remote controller, big, you know, big one, big button, click, click. So, so that solved it for those who had it. But then we thought, okay, let's upgrade the product. And this time we have massive buttons, very easy to click, big lights, um, and, and, and it is much more accessible. So that's one example. The other one was uh, with Crescendo, we wanted it to be completely you know, beautiful, seamless, etc. So we did induction charging. And this is six years ago when induction charging wasn't even a thing, like no one had wireless charging back then. It was a massive uphill job training users on how do you even use induction charging because no one had done that before right so what happened is uh, i mean i've had i've had questions from users saying uh, because it says wireless it says i have the product here of the charger here it's not charging well i mean you're supposed to put it on top right um, but that is the uh, we, we learn as we do things like sometimes yeah. it's not it's not good to put too much tag because people yeah. don't like it. So what we did with the Crescendo 2 is we made, uh, obviously still waterproof, we made, we put this beautiful waterproof 
a USB connector at the back. And it is so easy. No one's ever had any issues with that. So um, a lot of what we try to do, uh, and there's obviously more uh, to do, is um, just get feedback on accessibility and how can we make our product easier to use you know, every time we make a new version. Um, but yeah, no, but generally, I would say, yeah, there's a lot, lot of work to do on that uh, wow. for the industry as a whole. What do you um, see as the future of sex tech in the, in the future of Mystery Vibe? What are some things you're really excited about? Uh, invisible products. Um, invisible so, products, oh. Invisible products. So there is a really, uh, and, and this is code to what we do, there's a really famous uh, design principle called Enchanted Objects. It was something created by MIT maybe in the 90s. Um, and the concept is really simple. It says, if the tech is very good, you don't see it, yeah. So for example, imagine there's an umbrella and the, you leave the umbrella next to your door and the umbrella is just a normal umbrella on a normal day. If it's going to rain, you know, it's connected to the internet. If it's going to rain later in the day, then the umbrella glows, yeah. So when you're about to leave, instead of just walking out and then realizing two hours later, oh no, it's raining, you pick it up because the umbrella is telling you it's going to rain yeah. soon. It looks sunny now, but it's going to rain soon. So it's a really simple uh, way to bring it to life is what an enchanted object is because it's enchanted. It's like magic. Yeah. yeah. But it is magic only because the tech is hidden. It's, it's beautiful. It's seamless. So, um, so that's our design principle generally. It's how do you hide complex tech, make it super easy to use. But my dream is that we create tech that you can't even see. You know, so for example, let's say, what if, uh, the ED device that we have, you know, for erection, which is currently a, a, quite a big device. What if we had the materials and the electronics and the battery, which was nano and it could fit in a condom and you literally just wear the condom mm -hmm. and it vibrates all around, creates erection, holds erection. And when you have intercourse, it passes that huge 360 vibration internally for mind blowing sex, right? But you're literally just wearing a condom and it's hidden. It's all hidden. So, so that's, um, that's my dream. Yeah, that's what I want to see happen in sex tech or in, in generally with product design is pro uh, tech, which is totally invisible um, that people can enjoy without even thinking about it. Like, yeah. I don't want to, I don't want people to think I'm in the bedroom. I need gadgets to have a better sex life. Mm -hmm. You know, I want them to just focus on, their partner themselves the pleasure the moment right not uh, think about oh i need to use a device i need to turn it on i need to do this like you know that's all um barriers so so that's that's uh, the dream i love that do you find that that is something you have to overcome in your marketing and sales funnel is people um being adverse to toys in particular men potentially that see this as a um like a like an assistant Almost, um, you know? Yes, absolutely. it's interesting because um, most of our buyers are men. So obviously for the male-centric, uh, like penis-centric products, um, tem it tends to be men who buy it, which is fine. Mm -hmm. But even for vagina-centric products, it tends to be men buying it as a gift for their partners. Um, and that is across the board in, uh, in sex tech. So um, what we find is if the product and the messaging around the product is about uh, giving more pleasure to your partner, wow. then it is endearing. It's a positive thing. If it is to replace your partner, 
then it's not a positive thing. It, it may be fine as a product, but it's not seen as a positive thing um, by the buyer or the buyer's partner. So, so it's really that uh, nuance of it should be adding to the bedroom, making your sex better. It's like Michelle in food, you know, you go to a restaurant, not because you don't want to eat at home, but because you want that extra, you know, extra fun that you yes. can have once a month, right? Yeah. So if the sex toy is uh, that extra fun that you can have, uh, whereas uh, without it, it's 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 all good, but then it's normal. Oh, good, yeah. Whereas with it, it's, um, you know, super normal. Wow. Yeah, I love your thoughts about the invisible toy because, man, it would definitely help me whenever I move and I have two boxes of sex toys and I pray to the Lord and the gods of the world that the movers don't drop that box and all my dildos fall on the floor. Like, it's like my biggest fear. And so that would be very convenient if we can make them invisible and no one needs to carry around boxes of my toys, um, you know, or yep, my agreed. niece finding them <laughs> in my closet. Yep, right? <laughs> well, this has been such an amazing conversation. We have two last questions that our listeners really love. So we have a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs that listen. What's an area in women's health and wellness that you think still needs innovating? Ooh, all of it. <laughs> um, honestly, there is, we're literally just starting, we're scratching the surface. There's so much to do. Um, and it's, it's a great time because everybody, you know, is starting now lots and lots of people are starting now or have in the last like two, three years very recently. Um, if I had to pick one, um, I think menopause um, and, and perimenopause, postmenopause, during menopause, um, because the, it is every single woman will go through it you know because like i mean everyone lives to 80 whatever like, you know people have long lifetime a long <coughs> life expectancy these days so let's assume every single woman will go through it so it means it's the most significant thing right um and like if you contrast it with pregnancy and childbirth there is a lot in there which is great uh, but not every woman will go through it so um so if you just compare those two big topics i would say menopause needs a lot of focus, a lot of um, uh, work. Um, and also it's something if left unattended will only get worse. And and imagine, you know, you could be living with it for 30 years with pain, with dryness, with uh, all kinds of issues. Um, yeah, I think the m more we can do, and obviously a lot of things have started in that space, but the more we can do, the better. Absolutely, yeah. There's... Um... So much research that we need to do in menopause in order to even figure out the exact mechanisms and problems and are we so what we could even make solutions for it i see us be you know i i see a lot of telehealth menopause companies showing up and supplement companies but like that's pretty much it and i think it's because we just don't know enough about menopause to even create solutions for what women actually need right um, well, and our last question is, what do you think the femtech industry as a whole needs the most right now in order to be successful? Funding. Funding. Easiest answer ever. <laughs> Funding, that's it. Hardest question. I read a really uh, fun, uh, but sadly true, um, a post on LinkedIn uh, recently where uh, people were trying to set up uh, mentorship programs to help uh, female founders, you know, particularly sex tech, femtech. 
and then and the comment was like yeah we don't need mentorship which stop is mentoring us stop like uh, and you know like people got stuff to do just give money and then they'll get on and build stuff so um yeah that's it literally one word funding you get funding um and lots of great things will happen how has your experience been with funding you said that your you know early investors were like friends and stuff did you actually get venture backed eventually or never never in eight years uh we raised um eight million dollars in total in eight years uh through just from individual people angels that's it Wow. We, that's, that's how we, uh, and, and the, the, down, down, uh, the problem, uh, the biggest challenge with the medical devices, you can't do it without money. It's literally physically impossible. You know, you need to do compliance, you need to do testing, you need to do trials, everything costs money. Um, so you can't build any devices without money. And, um, and, and like I was saying, you know, we are very lean. We only do things which are substantial. You know, like uh, we wouldn't do a clinical trial just to look good if that doesn't serve the purpose, you know, of what we're trying to achieve. So, um, yeah, so we raised all our money uh, through very, very patient individual people who believed in us. And they said, you know, uh, I understand this may not work, um, but here's my money. And, you know, if you lose it, you lose it. And that's the only way you can invest in a medical or any startup, but medical in particular, because we had no idea when we started, will will it actually work? Because if it doesn't work, that's it, right? There's nothing you can do about it. You have to keep trying till it does work. So So because you're a tech tech company, you fundraise, you did fundraise from individuals rather than venture. Do you have an exit strategy? Because I'm always very curious about sex tech and your exit strategies because of all of the barriers to getting a bank account, getting, you know, transactions approved, blah, blah, blah. So like, is there an exit strategy? Uh, there is, and uh, it's a very simple one, and it's true for every medical device company uh, generally. So what happens is once you have proved efficacy, which is the key uh, of one or more devices, then you get uh, acquired or part acquired by a bigger corporate um, in that space, whatever is uh, the relevant one. Um, and it is a really good fit because what startups are good at is innovation. What corporates are good at is distribution. And it's two very different skill sets um, and capital, obviously. You, know, you need money to scale. So uh, what happens to almost every healthcare company? And if we talk about that as a bigger umbrella of which sex tech is a part, uh, what happens in general with healthcare is you, get, uh, you become part of a bigger uh, company in that space who then distribute all the stuff that you're building and you continue to build, uh, which is what you're good at. Yeah. Do you think there's a larger corporation that can distribute Mystery Vibe? Oh, there's loads. I mean, name uh, any big, uh, large um, consumer product company. Any. Any? Not even just in sex tech? No, it doesn't. Sex tech is just a very small startup uh, ecosystem. There's no big company in sex tech. It's just generally any large uh, consumer goods company. Could you say Johnson & Johnson then? Yes, exactly. You know, someone like Johnson & Johnson, because if you think about what they had before was KY Jelly, right? Which is a very famous mm-hmm. loop, com- uh, loop brand, right? And they would sell that direct to consumer or via something. So it's exactly that. So yeah. any large consumer company is, uh, would work with, yeah, sex tech, yeah, correct. Cool. Well, Sam, this has been so fun, so interesting. I thought... 
you know, oh, this is another vibrator company I'm going to interview. And I looked a little deeper and I said, whoa, 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 this is, this has some science in it. I love it. So this has been so much fun. I now understand why I have so many papers behind you, like a professor, because you essentially are. Um, and I, I'm just so grateful for the work you're doing and, and leading the charge. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to my interview with Sum, the CEO and co-founder of Mystery Vibe. Be sure to get your pleasure at mysteryvibe.com. Alrighty, Fem fans, don't forget to register for our jobs fair happening on March 23rd from 12 to 3 p.m. Eastern. Join our new virtual community and become a FemPro member for only $14.99 a month to access all of our assets of the FemTech community, like our databases and self-guided FemTech Accelerator. Please consider supporting FemTech Focus by giving the show a five-star review and becoming a monthly donor to our organization. Subscribe to our newsletter and know all the new events coming up. All this can be done at femtechfocus.org. Until next time, keep innovating because improving women's health and wellness improves everyone's health and wellness.